Man, this morning's been so good. I'm like, I was asking Laura, I was like, Lord, should we talk about something different? Because I feel like we're in a theme. Um, but I feel like this actually fits in. Um, I'm really glad to have the kids with us today. If you're a kid, can I hear you? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Most of our kids are all, we have a few kids over here, but they're all over here. Um, family First Sunday is a beautiful thing. And today we're talking about family. And so this is going to be kind of a family talk, if that makes sense. I'm going to be talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to be kind of overviewing in, from Genesis 12 to Genesis 24. Of course, we're in Genesis. Nobody's surprised by that. But no, we're staying in Genesis. We're not even leaving Genesis today. Normally, we start there and go somewhere. Today, we're just staying there. Um. I was actually going to speak on something different, but a couple of weeks ago, the Lord put it on my heart of, how many people were here last week? Okay. For those of you who are not here last week, last week was an amazing time. Steve and Marcy and Andrew and Emily were up here and they shared about a transition that we're doing at Convergence where Andrew and Emily are stepping into senior leadership roles and Steve and Marcy are stepping into different roles in the season. They're not leaving but they're going, right? You're going everywhere. You're going, but they're not leaving. So if you haven't watched that or listened to it, make sure to watch it or listen to it because it's just a really good like family talk. And they're just talking about like what this change will look like. It's all amazing things. Like it's really good what the Lord is doing. Steve and Marcy are stepping into what the Lord's calling them into in this season. And Andrew and Emily are stepping into what the Lord's calling them to. So it's just a really good time. But a few weeks ago, knowing that that day was coming, I felt the Lord was like, this is a pivotal moment, and I want you to give perspective on it. And so I want to talk about this because we're literally in the midst of this right now. Like, this is happening. And I feel like it's really important as family to talk about family and to talk about this. Um, so, and I just want to preface this. When I say family, like, family is, yes, mom and dad and kids. But, like, there's, there's a lot of family that's not just blood. So like when I'm saying family today, we're talking about family. Like if you're here and you're single, this doesn't mean this doesn't apply to you. If you're here and you, you know, you're married and you have no kids, it doesn't, it's not like it doesn't apply. If you're widowed or you're a widower or like, it doesn't matter what stage you're in, family applies. And there's actually a lot of examples in the Bible of family that's not blood. Um, even Paul called Timothy his son more than once in the New Testament. And, um, and Jesus actually on the cross, he tells, he tells John, John, this is your mother and Mary, this is your son. And so I don't want us to think this doesn't apply to us. And like, I'm talking about generations and legacy today, and I'm an unmarried 25 year old. So like, if the Lord, if the Lord is speaking this to me, it applies to you. Does that make sense? So it's going to be really good. I want to just pray as we kick off. I'm really excited about the Lord is even just speaking during worship about some stuff. So it's going to be good. So Lord, I thank you that you're so good. Lord, I thank you for being here with us this morning in this room. Lord, I thank you for family. Thank you for generations. Lord, I thank you for your promises. Lord, we just invite you to come and to minister to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, but I want to just start off and say, 
I want to kind of just like attack a few things at the beginning before we get started is I want us to understand how individualistic our culture is. Like the culture we live in today is not how it's always been. Like we live in probably the most individualistic culture ever. Like I was just thinking this week, I was thinking about all the things that we do individually that never would happen. And I was like, how long has it been? Like how long in history that you sit down at a restaurant and every single person at the table eats something different? Like it used to be like you would kill an animal or something and every you eat the food. Like you eat what's there, right? Or you're like, you have, you know, your veggies or whatever. And I was like, before like ear pods or whatever, I was like, everybody would listen to the same thing. No, you couldn't be in the same room and hear something different. And now we're in the same room and you're hearing something different. You're seeing something different. You're eating something different. We live in such a culture that's so individualistic. It's so like, it's just me and I. And so it's hard for us to relate to like, when we talk about family, it's, it's, we think of family about how we fit in it, which is good, but it's still very individualistic. So I just want us to think about that when God created like humanity, it wasn't this individualistic thing. It was unity, right? And like that, it's what we're called to. And it's actually what family restores is this unity. And so, um, yeah, let's jump into Genesis 12, if you want to turn there. Um, a lot of us know the story of Abraham, right? We know the VeggieTales version, or we've just heard it. But sometimes familiarity can make us numb to things. And so I want us to like read this with, or see this with fresh eyes today, because for the last few months, the Lord's had me in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and just like reading it forward and backwards. And the Lord's had me get so offended at the story. Like so offended at the story. Like I've had times of like weeping and I'm like, Lord. And I'll bring y'all into a little bit of that. So, and um, I'm going to call him Abraham the whole time. His name technically was Abram. Y'all know that, right? But I'm just going to say Abraham because it's easier. Um, so Genesis 12.1, it says, now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonor you, dishonors you, I will curse him. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God takes this man, Abraham. It, we don't have a whole bunch of history about Abraham, but the Lord basically picks him out and he's like, hey, Abraham, leave the land that you're in, leave your family, like leave this and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And through you, every nation of the earth will be blessed. That's a big promise. That's a very big thing, especially when you read what continues, which is verse four. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed Haran. 75. So God's intro, like God introduces himself to Abraham as a 75 year old. It's like, hey, here's the beginning of our journey together. 
And so Abraham gets this promise, through you, every nation of the earth is going to be blessed. Like, that's a huge thing. And he tells him, God tells him later on in, in chapter 13, um, verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had departed from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all of the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring may also be counted. The Lord's just like flexing right there. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth and the width of the land, for I will surely give it to you. Now, this seems really great. We, we happen to know the next part of the story or the current part of the story, which is that Abraham doesn't have any kids. So imagine this. And, and again, this is talking about legacy and generations. I'm going to tie this together in a minute. God gives Abraham this promise about every single nation of the earth and that his descendants will be as innumerable as the dust of the earth. And Abraham has no kids. And his wife is barren. They can't have kids. And, and they're at least 75 at this point because that's when he left. And now they're going. So they're at least 75. And I want to break off another cultural misconception, which is like, and I'm just going to get real. Our, our culture says that your prime is between your 20-somethings to your 40-somethings, right? Like, if, like, there's all the jokes about at 40, you're over the hill. That's not biblical. Like, it's, that's just not biblical. Like, the Lord comes to a 75-year-old man, and he's like, let's start this journey together. Like, the Lord begins the promise at 75. And like, there's, yeah, that's just, that's a thing. But Anyway, so the Lord gives him this promise that Abraham either, he, I think he has two options. Either when the Lord tells him your, your offspring will be as an innumerable as the dust of the earth, either Abraham could not believe him or he would have to be in attention of like, Lord, how's this going to happen? Does that make sense? Like, I want us to understand this and actually lean into this. Like, because we, we happen to know the rest of the story. But think about snapshot Abraham gets this promise as 75 years old. How does he respond to that? How do you respond to that? When the Lord gives you a promise and it seems completely like not feasible. What do we do when the Lord speaks something to us and we, we just don't know how it's going to happen? Either you can say, maybe that wasn't the Lord and you just don't believe it. Or it, you might have to lean into some tension. And so Abraham, I'm going to kind of just brush through this. So Abraham and Sarah, they go to the land where they are. There's like a hundred aspects I could take of the story, but I'm not going to do everything. But then, so Abraham and Hagar, right? And so we have Ishmael, which is Abraham in his own flesh trying to produce the promise and it isn't what the Lord was looking for, right? So now Abraham is one, he's 99. He's 99 years old. And again, we know this, but like, think about this. A 99-year-old person, and the Lord says, I'm going to give you a child. Sarah's 90. Like, I don't, do we have any 99-year-olds in the room? I don't think so. Yeah, she's not here. Okay. I don't think 99-year-olds want children. <laughs> like, parents... Parents, could you picture being 99 and taking care of your kids? Like the energy it takes right now to do what you do. 
Could you picture doing that as a 99-year-old? No. But the Lord says, I'm going to give you a child. And Abraham literally says, oh, Lord, that Ishmael could stand before you. Like, he's like, Lord, oh, please. Like, he's like, Lord, let it be Ishmael. And he, the Lord's like, no, I'm going to give you a descendant. And it's going to be through Sarah. And then he calls Abraham a father of many nations. And he calls Sarah the mother of many nations. So he just like increases the promise. He's like, nope, now that you're 99, you're still going to have a kid. And it's going to be through your, I guess, yeah, your 90-year-old wife. And you're going to be a mother and father of nations. So Abraham has to have this crazy tension. Do y'all know how long it was from the first time God promised Isaac until Isaac was born? How many years? Y'all can say. I'm asking a question. It's good. Was it? Okay. 23 years. 23 years between the time the Lord promised Abraham he was going to have a son and Isaac was born. 23 years. I'm 25 years old. So some of you in this room may have been holding on to promises for 20-something years. I clearly haven't. But I was reading this the other day, and I got so offended at the Lord. Because I said, Lord, (laughs) what kind of a good father makes his son wait 23 years for the promise? What, what What kind of a good father makes his son wait 23 years for a promise? Because that doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem loving, right? I mean, am I the only one? Like, in my book, it would be like, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And it's like, oh, Sarah's actually already pregnant. Like, that would be, that's how I would write this. Like, he, like, goes to Sarah and is like, we're going to have a child. She's like, I know. Like, it's like, that's how, that's how I would write this. That's how we would write this story. But the Lord says 23 years until you're 100 years old. And I got so offended and I was weeping and I was like, Lord, this is not good. Like, I was like, Lord, I know that you're good, but like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm not okay if you make me wait 23 years for things. And I was like, Lord, what kind of a good father makes his son wait 23 years for promise? And the Lord said, one that understands generations. Because we don't understand generations. The promise that God gave to Abraham was to him, but it wasn't about him. Does that make sense? It was to him, but it wasn't really about him. And it actually wasn't even about, I mean, it wasn't about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was actually about Jesus, right? Because it's the descendants. It goes all the way down to Jesus. But the Lord is faithful to his promise, but not how we think. And I want to talk about legacy this morning. Because what Abraham carried, he had to know was bigger than what he could do. But a lot of times when the Lord gives us a promise or there's even a dream, maybe like, I'm not saying like every person in this room has some big like, here's my promise. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a prophetic word that you've gotten that you're like, I don't know if that was the Lord because I still don't see it and I'm 75. Maybe you have a dream that's been in your heart for a really long time that you're like, I know this is from the Lord, but it might just be kind of my dream and the Lord's like breathing on it. 
And that's what I want to speak into this morning. Is that the things the Lord gives you and puts on your heart are not just about you. It's actually generational. And again, when I say generational, I'm not just talking about grandparents and parents. You know what I'm saying? That definitely applies 100%. But I'm saying legacy goes beyond bloodline, right? Legacy is, legacy is bigger than just one family. And, and we are a family. Like there's, yeah, family doesn't, it's not just mom and dad and kids. And so Abraham has his son when he's 100 years old. I want to just read this too, because this was like very, this just stuck out to me. Just the faithfulness of the Lord. This is Genesis 21, just the beginning. I just love how this is worded because it's, it's so offensive to our flesh. And in chapter 21, verse one, it says, the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And, the Lord, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. And I'm like, the Lord visited Sarah. The Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had promised. Or God had spoken. And it's like, the Lord will do it. The Lord is faithful. When we get these promises, we put them on our shoulders. And we try to, we like get to the plow and try to make it happen. And there's, there's definitely steps of faith right? Like when the Lord gives something to you or that you have a word from the Lord, there's a step of faith, but we feel all the pressure to make it happen. And so we don't wait 23 years. But this says the Lord visited Sarah, the Lord did to Sarah, the Lord, like, it's like the Lord did it. The Lord did it. Family. Here's something interesting. You know, all through scripture, after the story of Isaac and Abraham and Jacob, God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's because Abraham believed him, right? It's because Abraham was like, right, y'all know Father Abraham song? Yeah, Father Abraham. That's good. <laughs> Daniel's like, <laughs> God is family. Right? Like the Trinity, think about this. The Trinity, God is one, but he's expressed in three different ways. The Trinity could have been any expression. It could have been God the apostle, God the pastor, God the evangelist. That would make a lot more sense because we think, I mean, to us it makes more sense because we think ministry. If ministry were to change the world, he'd be God the, God the apostle, God the evangelist, God the prophet. He's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the first time God ever defines himself by a name or a person is when he says he's the God of Abraham. First time. He doesn't say I'm the God of Enoch. Enoch walked with the Lord and was taken up. Like he just raptured. Like, I mean, I think he was, maybe, I don't know. Maybe some theologian has a better answer. I think Enoch walked with the Lord. It says he was no more. God doesn't say I'm the God of Enoch. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's generations. And, and it's, it's unbelievably important that we understand that the promises and things that are over your life require generations. Like, 
uh, like that is, it will take generations. And you may see fruit now, and that's good. Like, I'm not saying you're going to have to wait 23 years before you see anything. Like, praise God for new covenant. But what I mean is that the things in your life, if God gives you a promise and you can fulfill it in your entire lifetime, then you probably watered down the promise. Because he's generational. And if he gives you a promise and it only involves you and you're the only one that can do it, then you probably also watered down the promise. Because that's not how God, like, like you don't see that in the word. Like there's obedience that only you can do, yes. But when God gives a promise, it's, it's always generational. It's always about Israel as a whole or the people together. And that's why I wanted to start off breaking off this individualistic thing. Because I want us to think through the mindset of family. And I want us to think like generationally, generationally. And I want to speak to parents or mentors or, you know, like whatever, whatever the parental role is. I'm not saying it has to be of your own kids, but parents, the promises God has given you also apply to your kids. And they can step into them. And what you pioneer makes a way for them to step in. Like you're, you're paving a way for them to walk. And your kids need to see you walking in what the Lord's called you to. I, I've told this story to a few people, but when I was a teenager, <laughs> this story is so funny. I'm like, Lord, help me. But when I was a teenager, my parents are like super amazing. And they're always like, do what the Lord's called you to, like you can do it. You know, like they're like empowering us. When I was a teenager, I remember the Lord was telling me some things and I felt like there was some stuff in my heart I wanted to step into. And my dad was like, go for it. Like you can do it. And I, as a no filter teenager, I told my dad, I said, dad, I love that you like cheer me on and, you know, do that. But I said, I don't see you walking what the Lord's called you to. And I said, I said, if I don't see you walking in what the Lord's called you to, how do I know I can walk in what the Lord's called me to? I would learn more from seeing you fulfill what the Lord's called you to and see what obedience looks like than just hearing you tell me that I should do it. And I want to tell you, parents, like hopefully your kids, that's very blunt. Also, this is, this is something I just realized, I think on like Friday or something. So many of y'all don't know my parents. Some of you do. They used to be a part of Convergence and be very connected here. But what the dream was that was on their hearts was to be ministering to kids in the north side. And right now, at 1134 on Sunday morning, my dad is teaching kids at north side. That's why he's not here. And my parents paved a way for me to walk in what I'm walking in. And Steve and Marcy paved a way for Andrew to walk in what he's walking in. And that is unbelievably important. And if every, if every Christian parent were to disciple their kids into the faithfulness of the Lord over their life, oh, it's game over for the world. Like, I'm serious. Like, parents, if you can, if you can take your kids and invite them into the faithfulness of the Lord over your life, <laughs> that is so big. It's so huge. And so Andrew grew up not just hearing testimonies, but he was a part of them. I grew up not just hearing about what the Lord did, but I was a part of it. 
And it's so easy. I know this. It's so easy. I can't imagine as a parent. So easy to just tell your kids when something's a testimony and not when you're in the middle of the test. But when you invite them into it, something happens where they become a part of it. And now it's not just a story about the faithfulness of the Lord, but they're in it. And they're walking in it. And it's generational because what you're going through as a parent isn't just about you. It's about your kids and their kids and their kids. It's generational. Abraham, think about this. Abraham and Sarah could have not told Isaac. He could have been born and they're just like, praise God, he's born. They could have never told him the promise. They could have been like, finally, he's born. And they didn't want to tell him they waited 23 years for him to be born. But they did. And you see that because Isaac continues it and he, he takes his kids into it. And it just grows and grows and grows. And there's so much more in this story. Honestly, there's a lot more that I was offended at by from the Lord. Well, because again, I'm just, I'll talk about this briefly. You would think, so Isaac is born. And in our story, the way Wesley writes this story is then Isaac gets married and has like 3,000 kids. Y'all know how many kids Isaac has? Two. Y'all know how long his wife is barren before those two kids come? 20 years. (laughs) That is so offensive. Like, if that doesn't cut you, like, ah, that hurts. I'm like, Lord, that's not allowed. Like, I'm like, Lord, that's off limits. But he understands generations. If he would have done it in Isaac's lifetime, Isaac would think he fulfilled it. He would think it's done. Do you realize that you sitting here today are part of Abraham's promise of the dust of the earth? Like if you're in this room, you're literally walking in the fulfillment of this promise. And it's still not finished. I feel like I'm just sharing what's offended me from this story, but I feel like it's good because we need to be offended. He told Abraham he'd be a father of nations and Sarah he'd be a mother of nations. Y'all know Sarah died before Isaac was ever married? She died with her only son unmarried. Y'all know Abraham saw his son married and died shortly after? Neither one of them saw their grandkids. (laughs) Oh, that offends me so much. I'm like, Lord, in my book, I'm like, Lord, you didn't keep your promise to them. You told them they're the mother of nations. They never saw it. I'm like, Lord, you didn't keep their promise. He's like, oh, I understand generations. Like, you don't understand generations. We think it's just about us. And the promise has to keep going. And there are things that Steve and Marcy have carried that y'all have seen. And there are things that y'all haven't seen. There's promises you've gotten from the Lord that you haven't seen. And it doesn't mean they're not true. They're just maybe not yet. And Andrew and Emily, (laughs) they're next week, right. Andrew and Emily will carry those. And their fruit is your fruit. And we have to think like this. Because it's so easy to be very, so individualistic in our own culture. And they're like, Roy Fish was here, what, 1966? 
1966, Roy Fish came and spoke at, at James Avenue Baptist Church as the interim pastor. How old were you, Steve? Steve was three years old. Yeah, you helped him. You told him to come here, right? Yeah. Steve's dad preached here in 1966, and Steve was three years old. There's no way in the natural, unless the Lord, you know, gave some open vision, that they would know. Imagine Roy being here, planting seeds in the ground over there. I think, yeah, over there. Over there, planting seeds in the ground, and he has no idea that one day his son would pastor this church for over 30 years. And that then his grandson would come and pastor this church. That's generations. That's promise that goes beyond what we understand. And it will look different than you think it will. Steve and I were talking this week about how he was like, he was like, my dad prayed prayers for me that when they happened, it didn't look like what he thought it would look like. And I want to tell you, parents, that's true with your kids. And I want to tell you, kids, whether you're five years old or a week old or you're a teenager, one of the youth, don't despise the prayers of your parents. They've paved a way for you to walk in something. And, and, and when you ask the Lord about your calling, it doesn't start with you. Like, it's like, Lord, what am I called to? It's like, what are we called to? Like, what if, what if, what if you asking the Lord today, like, Lord, what's my calling? What if the answer started 50 years ago? What if it's like, Lord, what's the stream that's already going I'm called to step into rather than what am I starting? Because it's generational. I was looking up this week on Google. It says there's 2.38 billion Christians in the world. I don't know how true that number is, but let's just say if there's 2.38 billion Christians in the world, if every Christian family were to disciple their kids into the truths and the faithfulness of the Lord, how many generations would it take before the entire world is transformed? Maybe two. Maybe two. There's seven point something billion people on earth. It would take maybe two generations. And parents, one of the most important things you can possibly do, I believe, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak into this, is disciple your kids into the faithfulness of the Lord. Tell them what the Lord's done. Tell them what's yet to come. Invite them into the tension. Invite them into the 23 years. Invite them into it. It doesn't matter if they're a teenager or if they're a week old. And I want to actually do this. We're going to do this when we wrap up. I want to actually have parents speak over their kids what the Lord's given them over their family. <laughs> like the dreams and that's in your heart for your family. I don't care if you have a week old child who's a newborn. Like practice talking about what the Lord has spoken to you. Practice talking about the dreams that are in your heart for your family or the things that you're going to break off that's been in the past. And again, you may not have some huge, here's my dream. Maybe it's a prophetic word. I don't know what it is, but I, wanted, I want us to do that. And actually, before we do that, I don't know. I feel like this really related. Um, last week, I was talking with Susan Holcomb, and you told me that, so Kenneth just re retired, right? Like a couple weeks ago. 
And James, how long has he worked there? How long has Kenneth worked there? 32 years Kenneth worked at his job. And James, y'all's son, just took his place, like kind of last minute, right? And this week, I was like, the Lord was like, legacy. Like 32 years Kenneth has worked and done this job. And James just steps right in, just last minute, and takes his spot. Special favor, like he could not get that job if it weren't for what Kenneth had pioneered. And I just felt the Lord was like, this is the power of legacy. Like we say this, like your ceiling's my floor. Like literally it just happened. Kenneth had been there 32 years and James just jumps right up and just boom. And so actually what I wanna do, this is very different. I want to actually have generations represented in a way. So what I want to do is split up and then we're going to come back together. So this is just split up for a minute. I want to have, and nobody move yet. I want to have 18 and younger be over here in this section. And I want to have 19 to 30 be in this section. And I want to have 31 to 50 be in this section and 51 to 70 in this section and 70 and 71 and over in this section. And we're going to do a little activation. And parents, if you have kids, you can bring them with you if you feel you really need to. But I want to encourage you to even ask one of the youth to like watch over your kids. It's just for a minute. So we can go and split up really quick. So 18 and under, 19 to 30, 31 to 50, 51 to 70, and 71 and over. Oh, wow. We might need a bigger section for the... Yeah, there we go. I... I really just wanted to see what the majority of our body was, really. That was, that was the goal. So this, Lord bless this section. Let's go. Okay. All right. So this is really beautiful. Obviously, like, generations are defined in different ways. But I saw, this is what I saw, is that in each of these places, like, these are, yeah, there's no seating room. That's beautiful. If y'all want to like sit down, like y'all can, y'all can like be, y'all can spread out. You don't have to. <laughs> oh my gosh. So a lot of times in our minds and especially in culture and especially right now with technology and things that are coming, div- like there's a lot of division in the generations. And this is how it feels. This is how it feels. But no family is together right now fully. Even if you're married and you're a couple and you're sitting over here, over here, there's people that aren't, that if, if your whole family was here, even if your extended family was here, you would not all be in the same seat, the same section. Family is what unifies generations like nothing else can. Family unifies generations. And the attack of the enemy right now is to divide generations because he knows what legacy does. And and the things that this section carries, what y'all carry, my generation needs. Oh, we need it so bad. We need it so much. What y'all carry, like the world tries to tell you that you're like irrelevant. You're not irrelevant. We need it. We need it so much. 
These generations down here, they're trying to pioneer their own path, and y'all have pioneered a path. And we need someone bold enough to say, hey, come, I've worked for this my whole life. You can just walk into it. Like what happened with Kenneth and James? Y'all are not irrelevant. We need you. We really need you. And for this generation, we need you. Y'all need them. (laughs) Y'all need them. (laughs) Like the enemy tries to divide us and think we're all irrelevant in this generation. Like we need them. And the kids, can I tell y'all, you will never get behind serving the dreams of your parents and the things that they've pioneered. It may feel like you're backtracking to walk and like, I don't know if this is cool, but I want to tell you that the, what they've pioneered is the best thing you can walk in. And it may look different, right? You may like walk down a road and there's like some things that look different than what they've done, but, but you will go way further. If it ever looks like you're backtracking, it's because it's an arrow being pulled back before you get shot forward. If you serve the dreams of your parents, It's like the most kingdom thing you could possibly do. If you serve the dreams and desires that your parents have spoken, if you serve what they feel over their families, oh, that's literally what prevails the gates of hell. And so now what I want us to do is to bring in families. I want families to be together. And if you're in this room and you don't have like a direct bloodline family member, I want you to be with your community. If there's a community that you've like been in, I'd want like, I don't know how that's going to look. <laughs> Actually, what I first want to do is have family. So if we can, y'all can get up and move. I guess y'all can go back over there, wherever you want to be. But I want family. So like, if you have a relative that's in this room who's not like your kids or parents, be in family. And if you have like, if you're part of a microchurch, if you're single and no one in your family's here, you can join in with your microchurch. If somebody brought you here, like joining with them, like I want us to be in connection. <laughs> okay. And so here's what I want to do for just a couple minutes. And this may look different depending on it can look very different depending on what the group is. If you're like bloodline family, if it's like a microchurch group. But if you are a parent and you have littles, I specifically feel like I want to take a few minutes, like literally like three or four minutes, share. I, like it doesn't matter if your kids are running around. Like this is, this is 75% for you and 25% for them. Practice sharing what the Lord's spoken. What's, what's your dream over your family? What's the Lord speaking? What has the Lord given you that you know is bigger than you? What's he speaking that's generational? What are the prophetic words? What are, what are the things that when you, when you got married, when you started your family, you said, this is what we're going to stand on. Maybe you forgot them. I don't know. But I feel like there's, just, there's, there's an intentionality. There's an invitation right now. And Marcy said this last week a few times about we talked about double portion and what double portion is. And Marcy kept saying like, there's an invitation for all of us to step into. And I want to tell you what's happening right now with Steve and Marcy and Andrew and Emily is, is the baton is being passed and there's a generational thing that's happening. It doesn't mean y'all aren't running still, but it means that it means that the promise of the Lord has been caught by the next generation. And that's what the invitation is for our church.
There's, there's double portion. There's, there's a lot. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but there's an invitation for us as a church in this season for the parents, the fathers, the mothers, the mentors to, to pass down promise and to disciple their kids, their mentees, whatever, into promise. That's something I felt very strongly from the Lord. And so I want to do that. Just take a couple minutes, whatever that looks like, and share that. Maybe pray together as a family. If you don't have some big, like if you're a microchurch, it's like, what, what's the Lord calling us to? I just feel it's like a time of intentional connection. Pray about what do I carry? What's the Lord asking me to release? Maybe prophesy over each other. What does this next season look like? Maybe ask the Lord, like, who's my Timothy? Who am I supposed to pour into? Does that make sense? Okay, we're going to take a few minutes and do it. And go. Yeah, I want to encourage you too, just in a couple of things. One, I felt like what Wesley was saying about generations, I feel that about time as well. Like, God doesn't see time as we see time. And, and I just feel there's something about that that God wants to give revelation to that maybe we don't see it while we're on earth, but we'll see it. <laughs> we'll see it from heaven. And the time is it with God doesn't look like the time with us. And also I want to encourage you, it's super important that we understand that family goes beyond biological family. Our kids have people that they consider family that have also paved the way for them and continue to. Our kids go to Tom and Wendy Dermott and they spend hours pouring out their hearts to them for counsel and for prayer. They have family that goes beyond biological family. It's super important, and that's why God creates communities. That's why the body of Christ is the body of Christ, because we need each other. So I want to really encourage and even challenge you to pour in beyond your biological family. And I want to encourage you and challenge you that maybe you feel like it's too late. It's not too late. Speak promises over your life and over your family, even if you feel like it's too late. Because with God, it's never too late. And I think that's a real point that Wesley was trying to make as well this morning. It's not too late. In the seeds of the promise, declare them, speak them, pray them. Because when you leave this earth, you are leaving seeds. So, yes, God, thank you so much that you are God of family, that, that you create family biologically and beyond biological. Thank you that you create family. We say yes to your promises and yes to family and yes to pouring ourselves out for the next generation. Everybody in this room right now has a next generation under you. Everybody.